0: Hello and welcome back to Party Line Chat. My name is Michael Finney. I've got some fantastic people here today to discuss art and crypto, blockchain stuff, AI, and extended reality in some cases. I think it's going to be a fantastic conversation. Have been looking forward to it all week. Would you guys like to introduce yourself one by one, please?
1: Sure. I'm cats will eat you um my name is matt semke artist um from minnesota um i've spent the last uh, it'll be 16 years next week um posting one piece of art uh, every single day um on my website um and then the last few years a lot of that art has been augmented reality virtual reality um nft related stuff that's still long
0: it's fantastic.
2: Hey, uh, I'm Max, Max Jackson. My handle is MXJXN. My name Squashdown. I'm an artist working with AI and code, I'm also a Web3 developer. Um, and, you know, I, I'm in this because I love it. And I've been um, exploring in crypto and art for about the last eight years or so. Rob, I could go on, but... (laughs) No, it's all right. No,
0: we're going to get into all that stuff. I promise you Uh, we'll have plenty of time. Let's hear from Rob. Will you uh, introduce yourself, please?
3: Yeah, I'm Rob Roy, and I've been um, making um, physical art for well over 30 years now. And I just got into working with uh, NFTs, and I'm primarily interested in um, augmented reality. Um, combining my physical art with um, different realities. So that's kind of where I'm headed with my project.
4: Very good. Lou. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to hear what Rob has to say, too. He's uh, very much seasoned, right? Uh, I, I'm Louis Pekan. I'm a I'm an AI artist as well. Um, I've been experimenting with with Stable Mid Journey, and Dolly, and using those three uh, execution engines and Convergence. Um, Yeah, uh, excited to to be here and get into all of that.
0: Very cool. So I'm going to toss the softball out into the space here with the first thing I think everybody's been paying attention to at least this week, which would be chat, GPT, who's touched it, uh, who can't get... The symbiote off themselves. What do you like? What don't you like? Anybody is free to answer, or or uh, reflect.
2: I imagine we all have something to say about it. I can say for sure I've been using it a lot, uh, especially in the last couple of days. Um, you know, it, it's sometimes really hard to find exactly the insight or information you're looking for when you're working on some code. And man, if GPT three isn't the best thing for the job I, I can ask it how to optimize some code and it'll give me several options you know and i've been using i've been using that to like guide me in in, in tandem with using github copilot to, to help me uh you know get the boilerplate out of the way and uh, and gpt to refine what i'm working on it's it's been a wild experience so far I don't know if any of you have um, touched GitHub Copilot, but it basically allows you to write comments uh, that you know explain how the code should work, and you can essentially tab to autocomplete the code if it's simple enough for you know the AI to to come up with for you. And, uh, I've managed to use comments to just really quickly prototype apps using, you know, just simple instructions.
1: I actually, no, you go ahead. You go ahead. Uh, Um, I I jumped into chat GPT, uh, the other night, just for like a very practical reason. I wanted to write, uh, a quick letter from Santa to my kids. Spoiler alert. If there's kids, kid list. Um, (laughs) and, um, it, honestly it it saved me at least half an hour uh i just needed my kids to like rewrite their list and submit to santa because they had way too much on them and i wanted to like have this letter come from santa have it be like kind and cute and chat gpt knocked it out in like you know 30 seconds and it was perfect i had like very little to change on it and it was just like I know it's like a very practical simple thing to do with it but for me that was like super eye opening like in just like how how enormous the change is coming
0: Yeah I dabbled with it uh for for code I was trying to get it to push some python code for me and unfortunately it didn't work for me um You know, maybe it'll come along and it might just be that what I'm asking it to do is, um, you know, too complex or something. I don't think it is. But at the same time, this is an issue that I've had floating around for a few years and have not been able to solve myself. So I don't necessarily hold that against chat GPT, uh, but it is it is an exception. I love hearing the stuff that you guys have been doing with it.
2: Uh, yeah, I have to admit that I've also I haven't gotten any hundred um, percent reliable code out of it um, or optimized code, but I can usually say, "Hmm, this if you know because takes a little experience with code to be able to yeah. write code with AI. Otherwise, you're probably going to be you know dealing with bugs left and right." Yeah. Um. But but I did uh, ask it how to do a certain task in solidity, um, you know, smart contract code. And, and I looked at it and I, and it used a, a data structure that I I knew was like very high cost, not optimized. And I, and I asked it, I was like, is there a more efficient way to do this? And it outlined several ways that would be more efficient. So it might not get it the first time, but
0: right. And I had pushed that prompt on it and, and reworded the prompt a little bit. Uh, like four times and none of the outputs were working Mm. and like that's you know no fault to it you know it's fine Uh, because again this has been something that has been floating around for me and I've tried like a slew of different ways to approach this issue and still have not solved it so I'm not I'm not complaining about I've had some fun with it I've liked Dolly Um, I have had a lot of fun with Mid Journey there's actually a guy who has been in these chats. He's I don't I don't think he's online right now, but he's hung around and uh, I had visited him a couple months ago and we just for a couple of days just kind of like hung out in front of the computer, like prompting uh, stable diffusion and mid journey and then out painting and kicking stuff around. And I think that that's um, a really exciting way to create and to merge things together. But there are really cool things happening with video, and I've I've used some stills that I've exported out of there for like a book review uh, for a pension book that was, uh, you know, he's a very visual writer, and he paints these scenes inside of his books, and to be able to to utilize that uh, in tandem with the review was great. Um, Rob, have you messed with it at all? Have you been messing around with any of the diffusers or image generators? I I,
3: I am just starting. And what I'm using them for is uh, more towards that video, what you're talking about, Mm -hmm. uh, creating environments inside the worlds that I'm creating for my alternate reality that will fit inside my in real life, um, art environments. Um, so I, I don't have anything really to show yet because I'm still building um, the information needed to to c- kind of create the environment. So um, I'm not as far along uh, with it, and I'm working with a with a team um, because. I, you know, I'm I I don't I I prefer to work with people who really know exactly what they're doing, um so that I don't have to make all the mistakes that they made along the way. <laughs> um so that's kind of where I am with it. But I I'm probably I'm probably at least six months away from being able to show anything um Can with you- what I'm um, can you tell about your your art? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Art a bit? So um the the environment is a um is a physical object that's created via sculpture, printmaking, and um different forms of bookmaking. And essentially what's gonna happen is um when you enter the environment, um I'm working on th- things so that if you're wearing specific kind of glasses, um, you're going to be taken to different spaces within that environment that are alternate reality. Um, So what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to blend the in real life thing with this environment that exists just on the other side of the in real life. So it's almost as though you are shifting back and forth between those two spaces. Um, so that's, that's where I'm going with it. If that makes sense.
0: Yeah, no, it, it it does make sense. And I know that, you know, you don't want to necessarily give away the secret sauce or, or, uh, dispel the mystery,
3: but. Well, yeah, I mean, there's no, there's no real secret sauce to it. I mean, it's just like, it's my in real life it's a project that i've been working on for years and honestly the technology hasn't been available until just recently and i haven't found the right people to work with in order to make it happen because it's just it's too much for me to do by myself sure so it's really like you need a team and i have a couple people who are game developers who are interested in helping me build these environments and so i and it could be a total flop i don't know um but, but you'll have done I, it you know, I, yeah exactly and i'll and i'll learn from that and i'll grow from that and if it is a flop i don't care because i'll just keep i'll keep trying i mean i i when flash first was a thing and i'm really dating myself Um, i love i did work in the late 90s with flash and and like trying to combine in real life objects that you would see on the street that would then trigger something so that you would be taken to a website and you would see the see the flash video that i created so i mean i've been trying to I've been trying to do this stuff for a long time it's just that it hasn't the technology is just is finally catching up.
0: You know to what I, I wanted. To. Matt has some great stuff. I don't you know, I don't know who all here knows each other, you know, we all I know all of you, but I don't know that all of you know each other. So I would highly advise you to follow each other or at least check out the art being created by each other and Matt has great stuff where he's animating um you know images and those animations are available as an augmented reality experience in tandem with a physical art piece that, you know, and he's been doing that, you know, as long as I've been following you, which is, I think only this year as, um, as a result of Brett sharing your stuff one day. And I just thought it was awesome. So I followed you.
1: Yeah. I've, I've been making those for, um, a, I mean, Ever since I discovered, I started playing with AR. That was the first thing I did was like start, you know, animating my physical art so that it would have that extra layer to it. Um, And then I'll, you know, and then I, when I discovered NFTs, I was like, oh, now I can tokenize the animation and then sell that, but then give this physical item as a gift um, to whoever collects it.
0: Yeah. It's fantastic. Louie, are you, are you back? Are you where you are? Where are you
4: Yeah. At? Yeah. I'm back. Okay. Perfect.
0: Yeah. Tell us about the I, video stuff I you've been working on.
4: Sorry, go ahead.
0: No, I was just saying, go ahead and tell us about the video stuff you've been working on. Cause I think it's awesome personally.
4: Oh, thanks. Yeah. Um, what that Rob definitely, I just added you, um, but we should definitely talk to, I have some people that would be able to help you that, Created our um, our board ape uh, VTuber avatar. That uh, they also create um, in-game environment, uh, and they're a highly skilled, highly talented team. I think you could uh, you could benefit from talking with those guys. And then also, I I also do work with augmented reality pins, like these physical pins, and uh, you scan them. They're they're made by a company called Pinfinity. You scan them and you can um it's oh man, wish sure I could show you guys on this thing. I'll probably I'll like probably talk to you guys later or something and do a demo, but you can download um download images or videos from this pin. You can update the data in real time. It's it's really revolutionary. That sounds- and they have
0: has really? anybody, yeah, I was going to say, has anybody messed with 8th Wall? Because what you're talking about in terms of development and sending something live in real time. I uh, was at a demo mm-hmm. for 8th Wall and it was similar to that.
4: No, I never heard of that. I'm adding it to my notes though.
0: Yeah, they got picked up by <laughs> Niantic, I think.
4: Spelled phonetically? 8th
0: um, a- wall. wall. I think it's eight T H Wall uh but at the same time if you search eighth wall augmented reality you know y- y- they'll come up for
4: yeah, you it'll yeah it'll pop yeah it's out there that's awesome but, so what i've been doing is i've been making animated music videos so my first experiment was a a video rotating on the z axis um and it's 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 like claymation stop motion the images are propagating off screen and then they morph while they rotate on screen. A lot of this stuff's pretty like difficult to explain verbally. Uh, but I did leave a link so that you guys could check out the stuff that I've done. It's it's really interesting. Um, but how I, what I've been doing is I'll I'll select a song, and then I'll use the lyrical content uh, to kind of flush out the uh, the like visual elements for the interpolation. So with this one in particular called Pink Matter, I took a photograph, um, and then I took that, created a, a variation using uh, using Dolly. Then I created more variations using Mid Journey, and then I used those variations uh, along with some stock footage uh, to tell a story. And then I then I set all the parameters in Stable Diffusion, all that stuff, right? I run the interpolation, and then I just respond accordingly. So I've done, like, different experiments, like some, like one video. Um, instead of creating that initial video input, I use the prompt alone to create the video input. Then I added that to my editing software, to my track, um, ran that through Stable Diffusion, added that video output to the track, and then added some footage in between, stuck those together and then interpolated that. And then I would smooth out the frames, sync the animations and uh, to the music and everything like that. And um, I've just had some absolutely phenomenal results. And it's, it's really been a a joy to make. That's so cool. So you're deep into the tools
2: you're using like video interpolation and stuff. Mm -hmm. That's, that's great. I've only, I've only just sort of like dabbled. I have a few pieces that um, were open editions that I, that I minted. Um, yeah. Pretty recently using deform. Um, mm, oh, that's what I use to deform. Yes. Yeah, it's it's I actually, actually used
4: use. an older version too. Oh
2: really? Yeah. I, I don't know what the latest, mm-hmm. one, is. Um, but I was using it on, on Colab. So, you know, I don't have sure. the equipment at home to, to, to run that really.
4: Um, yep, I'm doing the same thing. Using Colab. I'm using the the uh, plus uh, the plus version. So hey, not even Lou, not even the plus pro.
0: Lou, I don't know if your yeah. link dropped into the chat. I thought I saw a notification for it, but then I'm not seeing it there. Just in case you want to put it in there. I don't know if other people are seeing it, but I I'm not. Um Yeah,
2: I dropped I dropped a link to uh, my link tree, which has all my latest art, which is mostly AI. Yeah. Yours are there, I'm
0: seeing it. Uh but uh Lou's I'm not seeing. There it is. Okay, cool.
2: There you go.
0: For sure. Um yeah, very good. And obviously, you know, if the rest of you guys wanna drop links in there, you're more than welcome to
2: checking it out. Yeah, so um I'll tell a little bit about the last D piece that I did, Please. um, of note. Uh, so I, I did this one th- project, uh, I dropped an edition and anybody who collected it basically got voting rights in, um, a single DAO governance vote that I did on joke Dow, which is this great governance experiment, um, which you guys should definitely check out. Um, makes it easy to to run polls or do contests. Um, it's on Polygon, so it's pretty cheap to do. Um, so the contest that I ran was submit any CC0 artwork, and um, anybody who was holding the token can vote on a winner. And you can distribute your votes however you like. You can even downvote if you don't like something. And the catch was third-place wins. So you had, to, you had to get clever with your votes in order to, to to make sure that the one that you liked most or the one you wanted to win wasn't the top one. That's brilliant. <laughs> so I like that. That's cool. uh, this artist, this artist tomato, his, his artwork won, and I took it. It's this procedural blender thing that he, he made uh, called tokenomics. And it's just these shapes that grow. Um, he made it with geometry nodes. So it's just like, Dynamic shapes that they're formed in a in a in a sphere and they and they they kind of like grow up from the bottom and then dissipate out of the top. Um, and so I just took that video, which was perfect for Deform, and I had it reimagine it as colorful water drops flowing across the surface. And man, it just came out so amazing. It took a long time of like redoing it over and over, but the results are so cool.
0: You know what, Max, I want to ask what you about AI and how you're using that with some of your image generation. What's going on there? Cause it is pretty impressive in terms of resolution, I would say.
2: Oh yeah. Well, you know, I have to just be honest and say most of that is, is just how awesome mid journey version four is. Yeah. It's, it's really incredible. And, um, you know, it does depend on how you prompt, um, and, It's kind of like, I feel like it's sad to say that the truth of it is the simpler that your post is, the more beautiful the resolution of your images, because it just relies more on, you know, mid journeys, intuitive decision-making rather than your prompt itself. Um, so like I've seen some just absolutely stunning things that were generated from like two words, but I, I, go all in on, on the prompts and like with prompt weights I go heavy with the prompt weights. I what I'll do. I love I'm I'm playing a lot with vaporwave lately, mm-hmm. um, but I don't want to lean on the style too heavily cuz it's very very clear. You know, the more you use mid-journey, the more you can see how heavily people are using certain traits. Yeah. Um that are, that are recognizable like Unreal Engine, for example, is very recognizable running on ArtStation. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Um, But yeah, I'll do vaporwave. I'll put it at like 0.1% weight, and then I'll add that with with some other magic prompts, and you know, add dabble of this, dabble of that, and and I'll like scatter it enough that it starts getting a little abstract, and and it stops making as much sense, which I just think is more interesting to look at. You know, anybody can make a beautiful AI image. We're getting we're going to be in this era soon. Of like mundane perfection, where everything looks perfect and yeah. none of yeah. it is interesting any longer.
3: Are you There's no more pattern interrupt? Yeah, can can I jump in on that topic real for sure? Quick? Absolutely, go ahead. Because I, I I think that that's a really important point. Um, and so again, I'll date myself. It it reminds me a little bit of airbrushing. Right? So when airbrushing became a absolute uh, the the doll of illustrators worldwide, everyone got to a point where everything kind of looked the same and their voice started to lose um, Wait. its own passion, right? Because everything was so airbrushed and it was just, you looked at it and you were like, Oh yeah, airbrush. (laughs) And I just feel like I, and I Mm -hmm. can't remember who just said it. Um, and I don't know your name. Um, M M X J X N it's max max. Okay. All right. So max, what you said is so true that, that that mundane perfection is, is inevitable because it all, it, it all it's all just so smooth and so perfect and not in a good way right because it homogenizes everything
4: at least in my opinion
0: that's the yeah. risk
4: one of the ways one of the ways that i've been combating that is by actually my my method of using the video input to translate those those visual elements to the to the machine so for example um, in one of one of my videos, I generated an image of a woman, right? So the story, the story that I'm telling is um it's called that de Tehe, which means I did it, I left you. And so this woman wakes up, she's wearing uh she's a brunette, she's wearing a red dress, she wakes up in this really like it's really nice home, and she sees this letter and it says it's a breakup letter, right? Long story short. So what I did was I generated different variations of that woman. So there's, there's uh, like uh, a trio of, of these variations facing left, a trio facing, facing, right. A trio that are, um, that are sort of like uh, merged with the, the origami roses that are a thematic element throughout the video. And then another one where she's merged with fire, where she's actually like, um, finally ready to move on she actually physically burns the letter itself um that like that keeps that that image like um sort of intact and then when i run another interpolation after that i'll i'll increase or i'll decrease the strength and give it sort of more like creative freedom and let it play around with that once i've established like this is what i want to see
3: I, I like that the, the the approach that you're taking to try and try and rectify the problem of of what Max was essentially talking about. So that that's interesting.
2: Yeah, I love the, the, the process of experimenting with the like interpretation of a of a style, like a reinterpretation. Um Doing, I mean, I haven't I haven't been playing with deform or video much lately. But um, one of my favorite ways to work in Mid Journey lately is to generate something. Maybe it's maybe it's sort of abstract, or maybe it's just a general form, just as a starting point. And then I'll I'll upscale it, and then I'll take that image as a um, a source for a new prompt, and I'll, uh, and reinterpret it that way. Um, like for example, I'll drop something in the in the chat, but, um, so uh, you know what I was going to ask have- you
0: max too, cause I, you're right on the verge of this maybe. And I don't know if you do or not, but are you using in painting or out painting or jumping over to like a Photoshop for any of this stuff to create layers or, um, merge imagery at all?
2: I'm, I'm well, so I have definitely used not Photoshop, but I have, I have some tools that I, like to do like procedural manipulation. Um yeah, I haven't I haven't with uh with Photoshop enough. Um I have a huge set. I have, you know, I'm sure all of us at this point have like hundreds hundreds of uh awesome images that just need a little up you know a little work before before they're good to call like and finished artwork. Um but what I've what I've been doing is I'll take a piece that i make that i generate um either procedurally in in uh one of these tools or i'll make it in midjourney and then i'll reinterpret it using different terms like i'll make an abstract shape and then i'll interpret it as like brutalist architecture and and just to like it it it, it keeps the same forms but gives it such a new aesthetic and makes you know sh- building shapes that you'd never that you'd never find anywhere else. Um, and I've been doing that with, with a glitch lab is the program that I, that I've for the last year used the most to make like glitch art and procedural art. And I make it all from scratch in glitch lab. It's an amazing tool. Um, and yeah, so I've been going back and forth between glitch lab and mid journey to create these, these images and the results are, the results are awesome. Come so far over the last year. I, I was, first using AI like two years ago with the service. Um, gosh, what's it called? Um, forget, but you can upload a like a fairly large set of your own images for it to train on. And so I, I did that. I trained, I trained it on like two years of my work, found some awesome images that were sort of halfway between my glitch art and my abstract calligraphy. And then took the, those images work them in glitch lab, um, and Photoshop a little bit, but yeah, I, I, I've been wanting to just dive into like painting and like procreate on top of these images that are just so amazing, but need some final touches to just feel complete.
0: Matt's been doing some great stuff with painting inside of VR too, which has been awesome to see. Oh There's, really? Yeah. I, I think so. Cause I can't do it. So <laughs> to me, it's great
1: yeah i I love it um it i mean it's really just traditional traditional painting i was you know i've been a painter for 20 some years um but then this is just like a painting simulator Uh, my favorite one right now is called painting vr there's a couple other ones that are good too but yeah you can throw throw paint at a canvas you've got an infinite studio it's like in inside a giant skate park you know you've got all the paint you could ever use you just click a button to clean it all up it's amazing um and then i i like to record my headset as i'm doing it and then sort of make like a recap of the process and then turn that recap into an augmented reality layer for the finished artwork so that you know whoever picks that artwork up can always like go back and like watch the whole thing kind of unfold Yeah. That's awesome. Cause I liked
0: you had the, what was the, like you're inside of a birch forest that's on fire or something. And I liked the final result, but then watching the video of you making it. And I didn't even know that's what you were making as you were doing it until you were getting to the end. I'm like, Oh my God, I already saw this, but, uh, yeah, that was fantastic. I think that's, uh, it's a great way of extending the piece, you know, is, is that extended reality? Well, you were inside of an, of an extended reality environment. And then also people experiencing the work can extend the reality of that work by watching the video or even, you know, there might be something to be said for hosting, uh, people inside of these spaces while you are creating it too. And, you know, I don't know. I'm just kicking ideas around who cares, but
1: yeah, they just, they've just added, uh, a multiplayer function to, um, painting vr which i haven't i haven't had a chance to play with it yet but i believe now i can invite other people in and they can i I know for sure i can at least show them around the gallery Mm -hmm. and like point stuff and talk about it but i think i think they can also watch me paint and then um, these guys at brushwork are working on like a four player game where you'll be able to like four people could all paint on their own canvases at the same time which then you could like simulate like drawing co-ops or like, you know, essentially like art classes in this VR space. Um, right. So then there's this, to- there's
0: this other side of things too, where it's like, what about, because everybody here has process, right. And people, if you have an audience, they like to watch the process of how it is done. And maybe there's some component of that that can be pushed out to Twitch or whatever, you know, I don't know how streaming live from some of these environments works but go ahead with uh whatever your your thought you were i'm sorry to cut you off
1: i oh, don't no, no, that's fine yeah i've i've done some streaming from my headset and i actually i did like one time i had like my headset streaming what i was what i was seeing and then i was also i had a, a camera up that was doing mixed reality shots so that you could see like my my body standing there in front of the canvas painting it um at the Um, it just, you know, like I don't have any Twitch followers, so it's kind of tough because I go through the process of setting that all up and then like one or two people like pop in, but it's still, it's always fun to like chat with people and and get their takes on it. But you could actually, there's a browser inside the simulation that you could pull up and you could watch your own Twitch stream as it's happening. And I could, I could like kind of follow the chat that way, but then it, it starts to, uh, my my processors all start screaming at that point. Yeah. But, I mean, you know, I assume in just a couple of years from now, that's going to be, like, what we expect. <laughs> yeah, I would It'll, agree with that. All run smooth.
4: You know, uh, I really... Go ahead. Uh, I, I really like that. I really like that idea of, like, sharing, like, your process with, with the people that appreciate your work. And I've been doing something. So my first few videos, I published them um, on the Cardano blockchain uh, on uh, jpeg.store. And I noticed, um, or actually I didn't notice anything. <laughs> there was just an issue. I, I created a, a, a longer video. It was like seven minutes long. and it had um, It just shifted between a lot of different styles of animation. It was just a, a beefy kind of behemoth video. video, um, but there was some sort of error, so I couldn't, I couldn't mint it, so I went over to, uh, to ETH, uh, to OpenSea, and I just created a collection there, and I just have been like putting uh, my newer pieces in there, so it just kind of separates the two errors, but one thing I noticed with, with OpenSea was that you could, um, it had an option for unlockable content. And so, like I was describing my process, I create a a video input before I run the initial interpolation, and then respond accordingly after that. Um, so what I do is I use that 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 b one that that video input. I use that as the unlockable content. So if somebody, well, I mean, you can't buy any of my any of the art. It's just a portfolio. But if so, if at some point that changed, right, and they purchased one of these NFTs, they would. Unlock that that first version. They get to see like what I was doing, what I was thinking, and even a lot of what I was feeling. Even before I did that, cool.
0: How has? <clears throat> excuse me. How has uh, token and blockchain influenced the choices that you're making, or
3: <laughs>
0: your ability to? expose, uh, your work in general and anybody, you know, can touch this question. And I know maybe you've already thought something here. So, uh, you know, chime in.
4: I'll tell you, I had a lot of, I I wanted to be a part of the, uh, I wanted to be involved in the Cardano ecosystem already, but when I started interacting with the scientific community, I just, I needed more of those interactions. That I was like, this is where I want to be. These are the people I want to associate with and I want to communicate with. And then I found this art community called Artano. Um, it was Siren. Go on by um <clears throat> I saw this art community called Artano, um, but they're like invite only, kind of like um like foundation. So that's when I started creating these videos and started minting them on jpeg.stores so I could have that portfolio. I actually created an NFT project before, but once I started making it, I was like, this is crap. Like I just this I don't want this to represent me, you know like my body of work. So I totally scrapped that project. But I took a hiatus to like upskill. And that's when I started like doing more of these experiments using stable diffusion and other tests.
0: And you're relatively uh, new to it as well in terms of like crypto and stuff like that. You've only been hanging around for, I think you told me maybe like 15, 16 months or something when we talked.
4: Yeah, yeah. Well, um, so yeah, I've been here maybe like two years or so, like just a little, like maybe a little under two years, just involved in just learning about the crypto space and just being involved.
0: It was a lot to, uh, absorb. And I know, you know, some of these other guys have been hanging around it for a, a long time and are have, have integrated it fairly deeply into what they do.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. It's uh it's been a wild ride for me. I, I got involved, um, before the first big Bitcoin spike and I, I, You know, I'm no, I'm no trader. I could be a millionaire, but I'm not, (laughs) you know, I was in Ethereum early and everything, but I mostly squandered it with trading for stupid fun currencies and experimenting and, you know, stuff like that. Um, But yeah, it's been a wild journey from like originally being in it just to like learn about community currencies and like what, how how like a currency is like a meme and and how uh, it flows in in a similar way and um you know goofing off and throwing away all all my crypto earnings and took a hiatus for a few years even after i had to sadly spend the last of it on on rent one one winter
0: thank god for um, that right
2: <laughs> yeah seriously it really really saved my ass several times now but yeah you know uh, um i have uh, as soon as i as soon as ethereum was announced on the bitcoin forum or bitcoin talk forums i knew it was going to be like the thing that changed the world you know because like bitcoin's cool but ethereum you can you can rebuild the entire entire financial system on, on top of something like that I know there's. I know the Cardano fan here would, would say there's some uh, maybe maybe some things that it lacks, and I'm sure that's true. Um,
0: All of them are fantastic and broken in their own special ways.
2: <laughs> yeah, let's not forget that Ethereum was originally de- designed by a 19 year old Vitalik Buterin.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's fine. You know,
2: <laughs> I couldn't have done that at, at my finest. Moment. Um, but yeah, no. So like w- with, um, with art, you know, I took a, I took a turn, um, away from, from crypto. I wasn't a, a really an artist per se. Um, I've always like, you know, I've grew, grew up with a musician family, artist family, but, um, it was never my goal. I was more of a musician actually. I wrote a lot of synth music and, um, I always thought, I actually started uh, a crypto net label, um, long ago before ethereum and it was just a a free net label and you could tip what is a net label net label usually is just like there's no location it's just sort of like a a lot of net labels are free it's um like a music uh like a record label but it's just mp3s gotcha usually small communities small you know uh kind of like a
4: like a lot of the punk rock communities too they have like uh
2: net labels very cool yeah, exactly. So, like, you know, I was experimenting with that. People, uh, I released a compilation, and everybody had their crypto wallets listed on their uh, their own songs so you could tip the artist if you like. And uh, it was running running tip bots in and, and, uh, Turntable FM, which is, like, a music chat room that people would DJ in. Really good times. Um, and, like, art was such a whole other thing. You know, I, I knew that it was going to be this, like, new amazing future of art because just, you know, that was just always my intuition about Ethereum-based stuff. Uh, and with with the the rarity talk and thinking you have to be innovative with everything, I sort of, you know, I feel like none of us really know what we're doing, but when I started out, I I actually became a 3D artist because I thought that I had to be making 3D or like digital native art. Uh, in order to sell NFTs, which, you know, some people might say that's the truth, but you know, there's there's really no answer and I've really changed it up and gone back and, you know, questioned my initial uh, ideas and gone down paths that I would definitely call dangerous. Like I just minted a collection of 17 single editions that are all 100% AI generated, but it's a concept of like does this scare you you know it's a 17 gates it's called the ethereal gates and they all look like just surreal gateways to some alternate fantastic dimension and uh and the concept is that this is ai and ai provides this and you can walk through that gate and you can experience all these unbelievable possibilities but will you
4: so, yeah, like you know, the 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 BMI has killed every single pig and and monkey that has been implanted into, but uh, we're still rushing to rushing to get those things in the beta, right?
0: Wait, what is a BMI?
4: A brain machine interface? Oh, okay. Um, oh go. my god.
0: <laughs> yeah, poor creatures. You know.
4: That's ter- that's that
2: stuff terrifies me. I, I don't think we're near. I see near it as there.
4: an inevitability, though.
2: It is. Yeah, well, it's humanity for you. I don't know. I don't know uh, how soon it'll be practical, but it's definitely going to be happening.
0: Well, yeah. I think some of that stuff's been going on for a number of years, and and like now, I literally just today saw an article referencing the Neuralink and how there might be some uh, like animal cruelty violations in regards to that, and that's fair. <laughs> You know, but no, that no, monkey no loves palms. There's,
3: there's a lot of there's a lot of animal cruelty going on with um with all of this stuff that they're doing. So um yeah. So but that that's that's a different topic really, um than what this room is about, I think. Um I, I mean, I don't know, maybe maybe it's not, but we can I, go anywhere. I this is very Socratic. A, yeah. Well, I, I, but I did have a, so I have a question for you guys, um, because, you know, just from, from the experience point of view of a viewer, if, you know, so I'm, I'm doing this work, this in real life work and you, you walk into it and then you have this kind of like, you, you have an alternate reality that you can walk through that door that you can walk through that you just mentioned, Max, it, it, do you think that it would be exciting to have that only, that the time that you can walk through that gate only be available when you're inside the in real life object as well? Or should there be a way for you to revisit that after you've left the in real life object?
2: It's just, you know, it's just a thought. I, it's a great thought, and and it remind and it you know it's something that's been visited in in uh, a book that immediately came to mind when you were talking about it earlier um, by William Gibson, uh, the sequel to Pattern Recognition. What the heck is it called? I think it's called Spook Country.
0: I don't know, but if you find it, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. punch
3: us. Are a you link. familiar? Are you familiar with that book, Rob? Yeah, yeah I I I am. And and it is, it, it is interesting that the idea of, you know, I, for me, I, as, as someone who wants to create experiences that are, are limited in, on some levels, I like the idea of someone walking into the IRL piece and not being able to access any of the alternate reality part of it unless they're there. But then, at the same time, that limits the number of people that are able to experience it. So that's the dilemma, right? Is I, like you you almost it almost becomes elitism in that sense of okay, only people who can get to the in real life object are able to do this. You know
0: what? And that's the exact Um, issue that museums and, and art museums and history museums and stuff like that are having right now, where it's like, well, we need people through the turnstile. Well, you know, that's a very limited set of people uh, that can make sure that they can get through the turnstile physically and temporally to experience this thing you put together, not even, you know, to address the, the monetary concerns there.
3: I, exactly, right. exactly. But I think that I think that these alternate realities allow museums, especially museums with with large uh, with with large endowments, the capability of of being able to create virtual spaces at with it behind their doors, right? So if you want to go to the Metropolitan Museum of Art in New York City. But you live in Tokyo and you know that you can't get there. There's a way for you to do that in a, in a virtual experience. I, now, I like I don't know. Like, do I really want to go and look at a Rembrandt at the Met when I'm in uh, Seattle? I, no, I don't. But um, you know, it, it, it's it's a question. It's certainly a question that I I, I think is important to ask.
0: Well, you know, did Rembrandt guys, intend for his art to be an extended reality? And, you know, I don't know. Go ahead, Lee.
4: How could he how could he intend for it to be an extended reality? The concept didn't exist until like centuries after he passed. Hey, maybe
0: he had a dream about it. You know, they, had, <laughs> they they were thinking about stuff long before it was actualized. So, you know, that's just the No, nature. you're
4: absolutely right. Yeah. Yeah, science fiction, right? Yeah,
3: no, it it completely, but for me as as an artist, you know, and just kind of throwing it out to you guys, what is your, what is, where are your thoughts on that? Like, is it, is it some, does it become elitism if you only allow the people who can, can get to the in real life object participate in it? Or should, should that, that, other experience be something that anyone can can visit
0: i will answer first uh just to break the ice here and i will say yes it is elitism yes i am fine with that yes we should also be making experiences for people to participate in anywhere on the planet uh for no cost which is why like the chicago 1893 project that i work on i've distributed the first building Uh, you know, broadly over meta platforms like Instagram or Facebook. So you can jump into there at nothing more than the cost of your mobile device and your profile to be able to experience this building that is huge, you know. Now there are things that I want to do where it it becomes gatekeeping with access to some of the other buildings because these things, you know, are uh, costly, in both time and, uh, finances to generate. But see, that's, that's the line too, where it's like, okay, well, how much of, uh, you know, the museum of science and industry in Chicago should be available for free? Well, to them, they're like, okay, well, we're bringing in this SpaceX module and we're going to open up the, the museum for free that day. Well, that's still fairly elitist in terms of requiring people to go there. And then, uh, you know, it's only for a particular time as, as a result of this new installation or whatever. Um, you know, so I think that there's like this very large penumbra between, you know, access and elitism, but you guys go ahead and kick this around cause I'd love to hear what you think.
2: Well, I'll tie it into the last thing we were talking about because, uh, I had mentioned that book, uh, spook, country and the the point of bringing that up was that one of the main themes of the book was that uh they had the you know military i suppose had released a more uh accurate gps to the to the public so people were able to use that to build on top of um to build like a whole ar world that was readily available to everybody so you could go there was a whole new world of ar tourism and there's people everywhere with these, you know, VR things on their heads out in public, just like looking, looking up with their friends, laughing and pointing to nothing in particular, um, you know, taking, taking pictures or whatever. <laughs>
0: Which is fantastic. Um, I loved watching the groups of people wander around the streets, hunting Pokemon, and then like people that have no idea what's going on are just like, why are these people like yeah. having a good yeah. time? <laughs>
2: And you have to you have to admit that it has been a good thing for a lot of those people who didn't have a reason to like get up off their ass and move around so much without that game, uh, and at least people. Yeah, and um, and that plus the private access, I think, is like probably one of those, you know, sci-fi scenarios that's revisited so much that it's it's just something where. We're, we're planning out at this point uh, so it's definitely definitely a bit of both like you said you know it's an important realm to explore for the public and and private
3: so my and I asked a question already knowing the answer that I have and that i what i would like to do is i, I would like to create an in real life, thing that where the the environments that you walk into that are augmented are just simply different when you're within the in real life piece Mm -hmm. right so then you have you have the capability of allowing people to experience pieces of this it's kind of like what you were talking about with the with the museum right how much of it do you want to be free and how much of it, because it, you're right, it, it does cost money. It costs a lot of money. It's a lot of time. And we all need to get paid because, you know, un, until we live in that Star Trek utopia where just being, you know, who we are uh, allows us to, to exist, um, we need money of some sort, whether it's crypto or cash or, or whatever. It doesn't matter. We need money in order to survive. So because my landlord is not going to take my intellectual property and say, oh, yeah, I'll I'll accept that as your rent this this month, (laughs) you know, what a fool. So, you you know, know. (laughs) but.
2: You know, that's sort of ties into what I was working on today. (laughs) This is a bit of a tangent, but uh, I, I was exploring with a, with AI uh, using both, you know, ChatGPT3 and GitHub Copilot um, to spec out what I was trying to build. Um, and I, I want to create an NFT to NFT only marketplace where you can make, you can put up an NFT on the marketplace and you can, say some specific NFTs you're willing to trade for. People can also make offers for yours and you can agree on it, but there's no, there's no prices. And I love it because it's like, this is the nature of crypto art. Like we're defining value, you know, and to, to make, to, to literally take the ETH or dollar value out of the picture is really funny to me. I'm just, I'm just playing like chaotic neutral as an artist with big AI. support big support for that
4: yeah i love really? that idea that's amazing huge support nice
2: 100% well i was yeah. using you know github copilot i got the contract and the tests written in like the last hour before we hopped on the
3: you're kind of pushing into that kind of um uh barter system you know where okay i have a sheep and you have a cow and but i really need a sheep um you know and and you know so I'll, I'll give you my sheep if you give me the cow yeah it's it's a it's a great idea it's a great thought um would you do you envision this some like how so where does that go from from beyond though like because it, at the end of the day again it comes back to the whole idea of you know can you pay your rent with an nft and maybe maybe in the future some people will say yeah i i'm i'm happy to I, i'm happy to accept your nft as your rent but you know i mean i i don't know about anyone else in this room but i know that my landlord isn't going to do that anytime soon
2: yeah i guess that's sort of like the the next step i could say that oh no it's just an art piece it doesn't that's that doesn't matter but really you're you're commenting on my art and that's a, that's a valid point. Like, you know, why, why can't this also make the point that any of this is valid currency? Clearly because we are, we are willing to exchange it with each other. And, you know, it is hilarious to think that, you know, um, profile pictures have, you know, millions of dollars in trade volume, it's a hilarious time we're in and yeah <laughs> yeah it's do another you, piece here that,
0: oh go ahead so,
1: do you think that if, if we're trading nfts for nfts does that create like a new um sort of tax loophole like if there was never a, never a dollar value assigned to them but you're just trade, like would we have to somehow claim that still or would that like I mean, I think that would turn a lot more, um, a lot more artists into collectors if they didn't have to like think about the the repercussions repercussions of of like just collecting art that's possibly valuable and claiming it later. That's, I mean, super interesting. Yeah, yeah. I would really want to be able to trade NFTs for NFTs.
2: Yeah, and, and so it's it's, it's, it's interesting because it's like, why are we buying NFTs? You know, I. I I have this profile picture of, a uh, of like a crypto punk, uh, but it's like a darker colored one facing, facing left. It's a cyber funk and it's on chain. And I, I bought it because I love it because I love on chain art. And because it's like by buying this off brand derivative collection, that's on chain, I can spend, you know, 0.00, you know, 0.01, ETH at the very most, I've probably spent like 20 bucks on this thing. And, you know, if I were to buy the equivalent CryptoPunk, it would cost me millions of dollars. So clearly I'm buying for a different reason than the CryptoPunk purchaser. And and a lot of people are, you know, this is this is a cultural thing where, where it's more, it's not, it's, you know, it's got community, but it's like a cultural currency. And you know, are not, we allowed to trade not...
0: our baseball cards to yeah, each exactly. other? You know, what is going on here?
2: Yeah, we shouldn't. Yeah. We shouldn't have to think of all of this in terms of the dollar value. I get. I got started as an artist, um, in NFTs a couple of years ago by getting in touch with lots of other artists and trading with some of them and collecting from them when I could. And like, so the exchange of our social currency, um, you know, me being proactive about that helped me make a lot of connections, and you know. Um, And that's, that's how it goes in life. And, you know, money doesn't buy everything you have to like have, you have to bring your social currency to the table. And I don't know, I think I haven't really given this NFT to NFT thing much thought recently, but um, a while back, like several years ago before NFTs were a topic in the, in the public eye and there, there weren't art yet. um, I thought that they were going to first, the first like killer app for NFTs was going to be this NFT to NFT market where where you'd be able to like say oh I'm a web developer here's my token you can buy it it's worth this much of my time if you want to redeem it here's the form just submit the token and your details and and then we'll you know reconcile that and then it'll all be on chain and everything and that seems obvious and then you could have this market for people's services and, you know, people will get paid what they ask for, but you can then go trade for what you, what you need to get later. I don't know. That was just me probably stone brainstorming while I was riding my bike, but that's no, fine. So the <laughs> underlying
0: long. aspect here that, you know, we're not getting into and we're getting close to it. Right. Because it's like, Oh, well, you know, what is money, you know? Okay. Well, what if we could develop this barter system or something, But then fundamentally, like human societies are built on credit, right? And credit Mm -hmm. looks like all these different types of things. You know, it doesn't necessarily have to be financial. It could just be, uh, you know, there's when you talk about credit or you talk about debt, right? And that's kind of like they're on opposite faces of the same coin, you know, Um. Whereas like credit is something that, you know, you're, you've been honored with the opportunity, uh, in the future, whereas a debt, you know, is you were awarded something that you have to make amends for in the future, you know? So there's a a little bit, you know, different sides of that. Oh yeah. Debt, the first 5,000 years, fantastic book, uh, read that, you know, three or four years ago do recommend might dig up a a review on it for you guys that I put together. Uh, but highly recommend that book. Um,
2: that link that I dropped has the audio book as well as the full text and, uh, it's a bit meandering. So the audio book is, is a little helpful to to get through it
0: and it's big, but you know, the other side of it is to be honest with you with debt, uh, you really only need like some of the early parts and then he kind of gets a little, historical, you know, and even the early parts are a little speculative, you know, it's not necessarily hard concrete for sure. We've got proof of all this going this way. And it's also the other side of it is that, uh, these systems are not evenly distributed over time. So where certain societies crop up and they have these more complex systems, that doesn't mean that everywhere around the world, there's always these complex systems that exist. Um, you know, I don't know exactly where I'm trying to go with that, but I just wanted to make that point. So I'm really glad you pulled that link up because I do recommend that book um, to anybody that hasn't read it.
2: Yeah, I mean, taking taking it with a grain of salt that it, it isn't like a definitive book of facts. Um, it, it's a great, it's great food for thought. And it was definitely very influential to me when I was, first looking into the you know philosophy behind behind currency you know uh why do we have it how has it been useful how has it been a tool of uh imposing control and what's the difference when is it useful when is it necessary and when when is it i don't know it, it's it's a, it's, a, it's a big topic i of read other books I, I,
3: this is really a, a little off topic, but it's it is about currency. So last night I was out on a date with my with my uh, lady, and we went to this bar, and they had this um, they had this uh, sign that said um, we are cash free. Um, whatever, you know, you know, it's like the, it, this is the COVID thing, right? And we, we don't do cash because we don't want to have to touch anything. But the reality of it is, is that that that's a credit card thing. The credit card companies get a, a transaction fee every time that w- they're used. So they uh, they absolutely are pushing to get rid of cash because they want their transaction fee. But they're also, they're, they're driving really hard, to try and find a way to manipulate crypto either to get rid of it or to somehow monetize it for themselves so that they can, again, keep all the debt, keep all of us in debt. So that we're, you know, working for something that we don't need that we, that we're told that we want by some jackass on Instasham, Um, (laughs) you know? So, it's just, it, it, you know, I, 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 mean, I could go on all day long about how the the credit bureau is is the ultimate evil in at least in our country. Um, and I want to dial uh,
0: into something here too because you're making a point. Um, and this is the really funny part about like the Lightning Network and people that are proponents of that. And then you know, it's like, okay, well, you you gain this. Uh, this like component of anonymity or privacy or whatever. It's like, okay, but you still have to settle back to the chain. And then here's the other side of it. It's like, who do you think is actually going to be providing the liquidity for this secondary level uh, that, and like, and they're already talking about like running, Uh, like mirroring fiat operations on there. It's like, well, that's what it was always meant to be. I mean, MasterCard has been funding that development for years. So uh, when people talk about it as if like, oh, well, I'm going to be able to do all this stuff over there. It's like, no, you're not because you're still going to have to interface with these larger nodes who have the liquidity to be able to Um, you know, interface with the the actual physical world. And that's, you know, the funny part too is like a few years ago, I don't know if anybody was paying attention to this, but they were basically like, okay, well, if you're, if you are a liquidity provider on the Lightning Network, well, then you have to have this license to do that, you know? So there's no outside of the system in the grand scheme of things unless you can develop a small little subset network of people that are willing to do, the very local things.
3: Right. Exactly. So creating local economies really does allow you to kind of move outside of those, but then you have to have that local economy has to have its own currency that allows you to kind of barter your way around it. Right. Um, And we we use AI. Sorry, what was that? Go ahead. Sorry,
4: uh, couldn't couldn't we use AI to to test that, like as a like um, sort of like a uh, like using like training an AI model on a specific task or a specific role and implementing them in that role, and then using that to see if this like if this new system is viable.
3: Well, we've already seen how many times that system has failed over and over and over again. Um, so, I, I, I mean, I, I think that creating those kinds of utopias, it really comes down to, you know, humanity does not want utopia. Like, unfortunately, it, it says
0: it does. And, we're, and there's always going to be halfway more to go to get there.
3: Exactly, exactly. You know well um,
2: we are we always have a set of the population who is happy to sacrifice liberty for security. Um, so it's it's an endless battle to
0: and they should be allowed to do that if they want. you know that's that's their choice
2: yeah and, and it's where we are and and it's what the government exists for and and we have to engage with it and what kills me is just how the 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 high barrier to entry for participation in in governance and i always thought crypto and like sort of the experimental side of the crypto community would be like the secret backdoor to building the best governance systems in the world to get people back into
4: democracy. That is (laughs) exactly what I thought when I, when I first (laughs) got into crypto too, but I feel disillusioned.
0: People end up being people.
3: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, You're always, you're always going to have that uh, greed will always win out on some levels unfortunately
2: yeah there there are i, I have to say i mean there are more interesting experiments and in governance going on in the crypto world now than 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 ever um so while there's just awful things happening in the news and there are scammers left and right and we've all become disillusioned with you know nft collections because everybody's got one um there's, there's, some, uh, there's some awesome stuff happening with just people who want to see what works and see what doesn't work and just keep pushing the envelope and see where it can bring us. Um, I love the idea of quadratic funding. I'm sure some of you guys know a bit about that if you're in crypto. I've, I've
4: never heard anything about that
2: before. So the idea about quadratic funding is that uh, let's say that we each have – Let's say like I have a million dollars and each of you have a thousand dollars. Right. And and we have this funding platform and um, anybody can submit their proposal for funding. You say like, Oh, I want to start a business and I'm going to need $10,000 to do it. Let's say I put my million all on one project because I'm like, these guys are actually the real deal. They've all, built million dollar companies before so i know this is the best the best bet here so i do that and then you guys are like oh well screw him we're gonna we're gonna get these other guys rolling and you put all your money on on them your votes uh through the quadratic uh funding formulas i i couldn't explain them uh (laughs) concisely it's all Uh, very
0: complex and weighted you know
2: Uh, yeah yeah weighting and stuff um (laughs) But basically, you guys would uh, redistribute my vote um, to the other um, parties based on how many votes you all gave to the other parties. So, like, yeah, it it makes it a much more fair and equitable solution for for funding. Um, And it's cool to see it uh, in use for uh, what's it called?
4: Gitcoin? Bitcoin, Mm -hmm, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I have heard of it.
0: Like ranked choice democracy, you know.
4: Yeah. Yeah. What is that guy's name? Kevin, Milwaukee. Yeah. Yep. Yes. I I am familiar. I am familiar with this, but very lightly touched on it. Like, there's so much information from so many different places. Like, I just never gave that a real deep dive. But yes, that's yes. Awesome.
2: Yeah, I I don't know where where that uh, all sits with democracy, but it certainly seems to be like a more equitable way of, you know, distributing funds, and that's always a useful thing. (laughs) Yeah, uh, I'd love to see where this all goes, and and it's just crazy with AI now. You know, I've been thinking, last time I did a job search, I had to perform – uh, right in front of them to, to prove that I knew what I was doing <laughs> in like a screen share, which is just an awful, miserable thing. And I'm never going to do that again. But regardless, people who do, um, how many of them are going to be used to it versus how many of them are going to be using the autocomplete, the GitHub autocomplete
4: for most of what they do. Right. Oh man, that reminds me. Have any of you guys connected your chat GPT to Siri
0: I I haven't but I saw the example that, that you shared we talked about it a little
4: bit oh yeah that's that's been working like a dream the the one the one issue that I've been having with it though is that uh when using the voice command you're unable to copy the the results
0: so oh yeah because it's kind of like a pop-up window yeah. or something
4: exactly yeah and then she also doesn't like um, she can really just like answer questions. She can't really like do anything. I think I need to experiment with this this new platform that that's not quite out yet. They're just like accepting like people for the alpha list right now. It's called a debt um, and it's more a Hmm. A-D-E-P-T dot A-I. Let me make sure that's the right one. Um, But that's, it's really interesting because have you guys seen that already? I haven't. Yep. Adept dot A-I.
0: Yeah. We'll dump a link in there.
4: Useful general
0: intelligence. Okay. So here's the thing about AGI where I'm at with it. And like, you know, I don't think that an AGI needs to outperform a human, right? My opinion on it is that it just needs to perform on average at the average level of a human. And that can be, uh, that can be specific intelligence, right? It doesn't need to be all intelligences. It could be just, you know, making eggs. If I had, uh, mm-hmm. if I had like a machine intelligence that has been trained on me making eggs for a week and it can make my eggs every day, you know, that's good enough. That's, that's a general intelligence to me. That's a great really? silo. You,
3: you don't want to make your own eggs.
0: I'm fine with making my eggs. I'm just saying this is an example is right. my point. <laughs> yeah. You know. Okay. But at the same yeah. time, you know, I, I'm fine with cooking. I don't mind it. You know, it doesn't, button doesn't bother me. I, I, I find, I derive joy from that. However, you know, if on some given day I was like, well, you know, egg AGI, you know, <laughs> put me on and it does that, I mean, that's fine for that day. You know, that's Okay. <laughs>
4: This, um, this adept platform, it does something like, like that. It's, it's meant to automate the task that your, um, that our present AI can not do. Things like, um, like, uh, like using like your mouse interface, right? Like using your cursor to click on things, like mm-hmm. opening files and stuff like that. Um, I'm really, really excited to see.
0: Automation in general is, it In a terrible state. And if you're not like doing automated trading or something, it's just totally horrible, you know, and that's for somebody who's been running like, you know, I don't know how much I've talked about this with all of you guys, but, you know, I run bots on Twitter every single day. I have, you know, a dozen or more of them that I'm running every single day. And I do this manually because I change things up or I add things or I take things away or I adjust how many things are getting pinged, you know, and I like that. That to me is augmented intelligence. It's not artificial intelligence. There's nothing artificial about it. Uh, You know, I wrote that code. I'm pushing the button on it. It is automating the engagements with the API, but it's, you know, it's augmenting my intelligence because I'm getting feedback from that. And also learning things, finding stuff that I don't know about, Um, you know, and I'm not doing it in terms of like commenting on other things. It really is, um, you know, just just for, you know, for myself, you know, it's not about like uh, warping conversations or anything like that. But at the same time, like that level of things where AI means augmenting our intelligence as opposed to like creating these artificial intelligences or whatever. And I don't think, again, I don't think any intelligence is artificial from the blade of grass to the sun or whatever. These are intelligences. Um, and that's fine with me.
2: I like that way of looking at it. It, it, it takes the, the fantasy out of consciousness a bit, which which I'm okay with because I think I think in the end, we're all just a consequence of our biology and experiences. Momentum. I, I remember the I remember the first time that I uh, learned that colors essentially aren't real, but they're just sort of um, I don't I don't know. They're, what, the, what,
0: they're the spectrum. They're the portions of the light spectrum that isn't absorbed by the thing.
2: Yeah and also it's just how how our eyes interpret um the light uh, and and it's it's a it's not like a physical thing like you can't touch a color. Um and I remember crying when I learned that. <laughs>
4: <laughs> That's great.
2: Uh, and everything there is everything from there is just uh, downhill but how accepting old were you a, a way to go. Um how old was I? I was probably like 10 or something 10 or 11 oh, that's great <laughs> i was a little philosopher i couldn't prove to myself that everybody else wasn't a robot for a while
0: well you know that's fair
2: <laughs> yeah, i've never cracked him open to look right <laughs> they could be on wheels when they go by the window for all i know
3: <laughs> um So this conversation has been awesome and I'm super glad that I participated in it. Um, I do have to split out of here though. My dad's in the hospital and I have a call, uh, with my sister and him, um, uh, in like five minutes. Hey, no problem. We can, we can wrap this up.
0: We've been going for an hour and 20 minutes and that's, yeah, you know, I, this has been my pleasure to have you guys, uh, you know, join me to have a conversation. It's nice. That's what we like to do here.
3: Yeah, it was yeah. it was great guys.
2: I really appreciate it. Yeah, it was wonderful to talk to you guys. I have been on a bunch of podcasts t- over the last couple of years and this is the the first one where you know, if we're playing a game of buzzword bingo, nobody won tonight, which I love.
1: <laughs> yeah. 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 Yeah, this has been super fun. I've I've got a whole list of things to investigate further.
0: Yeah. Thanks. And and here's the additional part. You guys have been added to the server. So if you uh, know that I'm going to be doing this again in the future with people, you are welcome to join in and come in, and participate in the conversation as a listener or as a, um, you know, a participant in question or response. It's always open. Uh, if there are any final thoughts that, you know, anybody didn't get out, you know, this is your chance before uh, we wrap it up.
3: Yeah. I, I, for me, I would just, you know, I mean, I, I think that, um, cats will eat you, uh, connected with me on Twitter, but if, if everyone else is on Twitter, you know, connect with me there cause that's kind of my primary location. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just my name, Rob Roy Chalmers. It's the same everywhere. Um, but yeah, cause I would love to be connected with all of you.
0: I'm going to add you guys to a group chat that I do on Twitter as well. Uh, I think, I think Matt, you're already in it, but I don't think the rest yeah. of you guys are in it. So I'll, I'll punch, I'll punch you guys in there so that you can, uh, awesome. you know, participate awesome. there too.
3: Well, thanks everyone. And I got to split out, but, uh, thanks so much for the time. It was great.
0: Absolutely. Thank you. All right. Hey, wh- oh, <laughs> uh, that's hilarious. Yeah. Well, uh, had a great time. We will talk again before too long. Thank you for joining us here on party line chat.